You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning again. This is Father Rich Kunst, Richard Kunst, calling to you, uh, calling to you, coming to you from the Diocese of Blue, St. James Parish, which is my parish. And I'm here with Cindy Jennings, my co-host. And uh, it's been a good show so far, hasn't it, Cindy? It has. I think so. Doesn't time go by fast when you're doing this? It does. You know, we were doing things different last time because of uh, the COVID lockdown. They, oh, that's but right. It's they always change things by. up on us, though. Variety is the spice of life, though. So it changes. It's it's good. It's good. And uh, we are already to our last segment, which is a it's a good long segment, which is a good thing because I think it's an important segment. Uh, we're here with uh, I'm a Dr. Jonathan Byer, uh, and he's a child psychologist. And so, uh, Dr. Byer and I know you very well as a former parishioner of mine, and so uh, this is the first time I've been able to talk to you in the professional side of things, I think, anyhow. Yes. And so uh, maybe uh, you're new to Real Presence uh, as far as being a guest. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Well, good morning to both of you, and thank you for having me and, and for the audience out there. Um, I am a proud father of three children and uh, happily married over 20 years. and um, Lori's very happy to hear you and, say that. Yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> and I have uh, children, uh, teenage, uh, two teenage ones uh, ready to get off to college. So she just graduated in the midst of uh, our mm-hmm. COVID situation. And I have uh, one son over in Fargo. Um, already attending college and uh, adjusting to COVID. And uh, my wife and I um, have certainly uh, had to make some changes as well. Um, and then the younger one, Nathan. Nathan is uh, middle school. And uh, so they just finished up uh, their online at-home learning. Um, so right in the midst of all these changes, um, this is a perfect time to be able to talk about not only the impact on children in general, but to be able to take that experience, because I did interview one of my kids last night, um, and his responses were very consistent with what the research is showing out there. And then on the professional side, uh, psychologist uh, licensed state of Minnesota here for, uh, I've been practicing over 30 years. I was licensed in 92, um, and I have spent considerable time working with uh, children, adolescents, uh, families, um, in mental health settings, uh, residential settings, correctional placements, um, outpatient, um, and currently have my own practice with my wife, Lori, who is a licensed social worker. And uh, so we practice here out of Duluth and enjoy the, the work we do. Um, and uh, so I'm glad to be a part here to share some of this experience. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, the thing is that we, you, you, we talk about events that we all had in our childhood where we watched the news. And there's like, for me, it's like, well, I was, I was, I was in high school at the time, but I remember really being impacted by the uh, Challenger blowing up, you know, people of 9-11 when they're young children. This is a little bit different because it affects it. It's just not a news story. This is, I mean, this this altered these kids' life, and so it's like it's not like nine eleven, unless you were in New York and you had lost a parent or something. Exactly. But but uh, maybe speak to from your professional angle how this whole COVID thing is having a psychological impact on the younger children. Yes, and you mentioned uh, the Challenger, and I remember that I was sitting in, in college, uh, and so oh, I, I can, guess I'm younger than you. Then uh, I think maybe just a little bit, <laughs> but I do, you know, I do remember that, and and you know, the minute you bring it up, it sparks that memory. 
Um, or if we think of 9-11, we have that memory of seeing the video, um, and we have that incident, uh, you know, planted in our memory. And there's other ones that, w- that we have. And one of the things we know about memory is it's attached to emotional states. So if I asked you what you were doing on your 18th birthday, you'd probably remember that quite clearly. Um, if I asked you what you were doing two days later or two days before that, you probably would say, I don't even know, you know, um, because memory is attached to something emotional, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, COVID takes on a bit of a different, um, this whole scenario has taken on a different impact on children and families um, because it's been drawn out. Um, because it's more than an image on TV. It uh, has filtered down to affect all of us at some capacity, and it leaves us wondering what the future holds because there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, a lot of conflicting research. Um, we just don't know what tomorrow's like. And so you got people wearing masks, you have people not wearing masks, you have people thinking COVID's not, uh, not serious, that it was a conspiracy. Um, so we got a lot of varying perceptions of it out there. Nonetheless, um, our states got put down on lockdown, uh, stay-at-home orders. Um, we had to go into a protective mode for quite some time. And um, that's going to leave a longer impact on our children and family memories. Uh. I, You know, for my oldest, I think he probably struggled the most with this lockdown. Is there anything that you can tell us as far as a mental health How issue? old is your oldest? He just turned 13, and I kind of want to strangle him right now. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. But he's driving me crazy. Yeah. But he kind of took it into a depression instead of the other three children of mine are fine. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're they're doing well, but he seems to be. So for anybody out there that has maybe one or two of their family members, children that aren't handling the COVID very well, what would you say to them to get their kid to, to move pop back so, to normal? See, so Cindy, Cindy's trying to get free service here. Yes, right? I <laughs> am. <laughs> well, my youngest, my youngest is 13. And so I asked him last night, I, you know, I said, hey, uh, tell me a little bit about your perception and impact from COVID. He tells me two things, loss of social, time with others, and loneliness. Um, And he added sadness for what he saw, what he's experienced. And so depression would be a normal reaction on top of anxiety for these uh, young boys who have a harder time verbalizing their thoughts and feelings. So they need, they're moving into a time, 13's a tough age, our boys because they're moving into um, that adolescent period and so they bring a lot of stuff inward and it's very hard for moms for dads to pull that out and so we got to find different ways for them to express themselves Um, atop of a situation where we find that their coping mechanisms you know if the depression starts to set in a little deeper or the anxiety gets uh, more pervasive then that's telling us they're overwhelmed and they're not coping well Um, and so they need a little bit more support and sometimes us moms dads we can't do it we can't play that both therapist and parent at a time when we want to you know reach out and say, hey, what's going on, or wring their necks because we're so frustrated with them, you know. And so we got to reach out to others. And so, you know, maybe a lot of telehealth and it doesn't work for our adolescents. 
and I found I was very challenged to keep that patient population going because they like the in-person stuff, and it's already difficult for them. Um, so when those coping mechanisms are overwhelmed, that's when we see some of that more severe or chronic or moderate anxiety and depression uh, creeping in. And then we feel not only helpless by COVID, but now we feel helpless on how to help our family members. And I, for me, which might be the opposite way to handle, I just want to leave him alone. Mm-hmm. But what would you I mean, should I be trying to give him more interaction, try to get him more involved, try to get more family time with him? I mean, is that, can it pop him out of it? And I mean, I know he's been working uh, on the weekends with an uncle, so that's been very helpful, getting him out of the house, Mm -hmm. getting him moving. But is there anything that as parents we might be doing wrong, handling it the opposite way of what we should? I've always said, you know, parents will ask me that question. I always say, we've got to be consistent in what we do. And so that Um, Our children can predict us and that we are uh, a safe place for them. And so during the COVID time, we had a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unpredictability at a time when our kids need from us that structure and consistency. And so uh, if we're doing it consistently, then we're predictable, which if you're doing something that, you know, and there is no normal out there, you know, um, normal is defined for what works in your family system. So again, becoming or staying predictable, having that structure and predictability in their lives is one of the best things we can do. Now, if they watch too much TV, they get socially isolated and they get overwhelmed, their coping mechanisms get strained. You know, how do we start to strengthen those? And sometimes that needs the sense of community. So Father Rich, uh, they lost their teachers. They, that was a big connection for our kids. Maybe, you know, grandma and grandpa aren't coming over because they're worried about getting COVID. So it's that community, again, coming back to some of those basics that it takes a community to raise our children. And as parents, to be able to say, hey, I'm overwhelmed here as well. I'm not feeling effective. Who can I reach out to um, when prayer doesn't work, uh, when I can't get to church, um, when I can't use my coping mechanisms, how can I help my child? And so that's that reaching out to community, which you know, was all shut down by our stay-at-home orders. I have one more question. You can take it. But is there anything else that your 13-year-old told you that might be surprising to you, or was it it just kind of right with what you thought he was thinking and feeling? His reaction was right on that loneliness, feeling isolated. You know, initially, hey, we're off of school. I don't have to go to school. It was a great feeling at first. Um, And in my situation, we moved from the office to telehealth, so we came home. And so they got more support at home, and and I feel fortunate for that. But if you weren't there, and then all of a sudden they're waking up every day without that structure and consistency, and their friends, teachers, uh, uh, religious ed, um, all that stuff is so important, especially since everybody's so darn busy now. You know, everybody has filled up their time, and then it stopped. So it could be a good thing. You're uh, tuned into Real Presence Live. We're talking to Dr. Jonathan Beyer, child psychologist, in regards to the effects of COVID on uh, the younger population. And uh, we'll talk more with him right after this break. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Do you desire to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ? If so, Broomtree Retreat Center near Irene, South Dakota, invites you to register for a men's or women's Ignatian Silent Retreat in 2020. Every retreat is led by an experienced retreat director who will offer a series of points for prayer, inviting you to a personal encounter with Christ. For more information, you can call 605-263-1040 or visit broom tree This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Good morning. This is Father Rich Kuntz along with Cindy Jennings. We are coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, St. James Campus, and we have been talking uh, with Dr. Jonathan Beyer, a child psychologist, in regards to uh, the whole COVID thing and how uh, coronavirus is affecting uh, children. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people have this uh, experience because we're all affected by COVID. One of the, you know, we've talked, um, uh, Dr. Beyer, about, you know, certain kids that give very clear indications that they're being troubled. Mm-hmm. How about kids that aren't giving those clear indications? How, do you, how can you figure out whether or not a kid's being affected but not wanting to show it? That's a, actually a good question because many many kids, uh, depending on their age, will uh, hold a lot of that in. And so I've always uh, worked on helping children to come in for therapy to express themselves. And so we know for younger children, they do that through play. And so if you're working four, five, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, you know, working on play and sitting down, getting on your hands and knees, playing those games, getting out in the sandbox, helping the child to play out their themes. And as parents, you're not going to know what those themes are, maybe as much as what I'm watching for, but their expression and their healthiness is through play. And so when we talk about the stay-at-home order, there's an absence of play. So as parents, we got to pick up that role, or with our siblings. You know, as children grow, the uh, teenagers and adolescents, the importance is on the relationship, you know, and so they move from play 
to what we call games with rules as they get uh, closer to 12, which is a very key developmental time when all the pieces start coming together. And then as they get into teenage adolescent, it's so important to have that relationship. So all of a sudden you're at home with your child that you've been, like Cindy mentioned before, we're so busy that we've missed out on that you know, hey, who's my child? Oh, I have a husband, you know, and all of a sudden we're at home. And so having that relationship so that we keep children talking or expressing themselves through, if they're not going to talk, some don't, you know, get them drawing. Um, I mentioned uh, Nathan, um, one of the things he's doing right now with the whole uh, Floyd uh, tragedy is he is making posters. And he's doing drawings and he's doing things on uh, apps and things to express himself. He's also a talker, but not all kids at 13, 14 are talkers. So we want them to get involved in activities. And then we can interject at times a question or two. Because if you try to sit down and interview your 13 or 14-year-old, they're like, Mom, (laughs) you know, you're asking too many questions. So you want to get them distracted and involved in something. But the relationship is key. And not to hurry as a parent if you've lost that relationship. Yeah, that's good. I I know with the younger kids, do you find... um that they're just a little bit more easier to deal with this situation. I mean, do you really, I know we have to get more interactive with them, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like maybe my younger ones are going to remember this exact kind of pandemic. I mean, I know we attach things, but do you think, I mean, is there a certain age that we do that at? Do you think they'll remember just because of the length of this situation? They're going to follow our lead. They're going to remember mom and dad, you know, and if your family is intact, wonderful. If you're co-parenting and trying to st- struggle with the issues from there, you know, it's more of a challenge. But they're going to follow our lead. And that's why as parents, it's important to show them, you know, how to talk about our feelings, how to use our spirituality, how to read, how to get involved in times when we have to be more creative and resilient. Um, and so I really emphasize for us parents that they're looking at us. And if we don't know what's going on or we're uncomfortable or we're not strong in our faith, it's going to be very difficult to move uh, those children along the continuum of recovery. And more importantly, adaptability, because we're really teaching um, right now how to adapt to a situation that we know is going to be around for a while. Um, we can't secure our borders and keep the the bad guys out, you know, this is all over. So we're teaching adaptability and resilience in a world where um, things have changed. And I think as a parent, you know, we'd have to be, you know, the the impact of the parent that, as you've mentioned, as parents, you would have to be very cautious about not showing too much fear. It's like we, there's the unknown. How do we adapt to this? Because as a parent, if a parent shows a lot of fear, that's going to have maybe an adverse effect on the child, too, don't you think? Yeah, because they're going to see that in you, and they're not going to want to worry you. They're not going to want to upset you. So they're probably not going to talk as much about what's going on for them because they already see that you're struggling for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's interesting. We've, you know, we've had, uh, we're in a, in a gen- and I'm sure you can speak uh, volumes to this. It's like the, in the last 10, 20 years, uh, like social media and like 
things like Facebook. I know Facebook is for old people these days, but for like for like all these other uh, these media's in which these kids can be in contact with one another without being with one another. And we, there's been a lot of studies and a lot of things have been said about how the, the younger generations don't even know how to relate to people anymore because there's so much on their screens, mm-hmm. you know, and relating to people through the screen, you know, is that a, a is this maybe is, could that have been a positive thing getting them ready for something like this? It was a tool in their toolbox to use. Um, we're fortunate to have the electronic world, but I think this is also drawing our attention to saying we got too busy and we didn't we forgot how to play in the sandbox. Yeah. And we forgot how to just hang out with our kids without our phones on, you know. So it it in that sense, that's a strength or a positive that's coming from this. And I'm hearing families say, we need to slow down. And I like what I'm seeing. I'm struggling with it, especially if I've become unemployed or I lost my mom from this or other complications. But in general, I think, you know, most of my patients are saying this was good for our family. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I've had a good time with my younger kids. Like I I love hanging out with them. I actually love teaching them, but I know things need to get back to normal. Um, with all your patients that you had before, how do you think that anything has suffered, like their mental health? Are you worried about the patients that you're not seeing all the time um, since the COVID? Yeah. So, it's a little bit different. But. Yeah, but, you know, it's still bringing some patients back in the office slowly now, you know, and the phone's ringing a little more now that, you know, our stay-at-home order has been lifted. Um, but there's a lot of apprehension out there. And downtown Duluth is still scarce for people. And so, you know, just trying to move along um, and helping people to say, hey, express your feelings, express your thoughts. It's normal to be anxious. It's normal to have some depressive thoughts about what's going on. Reach out to you. Reach out to people that are close to you. If you don't have that, you know, there's plenty of mental health professionals out there, clergy um, and other family members that are more than willing to extend a hand. There's a lot of people that fear the stigma with the mental health issues, but I suspect because of the strain that we are in with the COVID and with the you know the whole um, uh, the rioting and so on, that uh, there's going to be more people are in, in need. And so I mean, you know, our, our listeners are all over the Upper Midwest right now, but for people that are around Duluth area, how would they be able to get a hold of you? Well, um, I'm certainly available uh, via telephone. Um, you have a website or yeah, I've like got that? a website, uh, psychologist Duluth, uh, Minnesota.com. Um, or if you really want some, uh, you can call, uh, email me at docbuyer, uh, D-O-C-B-E-Y-E-R, 3932 at, uh, at gmail.com. Um, and I would be more than willing to, you know, um, read emails from people or call me. Um, I'm, I'm all over the internet. So you just type my name in and, uh, my, my website comes up and information. So don't well, hesitate to reach out. We're out here to help. Well, thank you, doctor. It's been very good having you. It's been very helpful. And I'm hoping that yes. a lot of our listeners can take a lot of what you're saying and uh, take it to heart. So thank you very much for, for joining us. And thank you for very helpful. Me. Thank you. Yeah. Many all right. blessings. All right. God bless. Um, uh, Eli. Father. Are you there? I sure am. How are you doing? Good. It's good. We're, we're we're almost at the end of the show. We certainly are, indeed. 
did time go by fast for um, you? You know, it, went, it, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. You know, just sitting here enjoying the show. and yeah. yeah, it was a good show. Good. Cindy, did it go by fast for you? It did go by fast. I told you it'd go by fast. So, um, Eli, what's the next show look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. I just so happen to have that in front of me. So we had a great show today. Another good one coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. That'll be hosted by Deacon Dan Goshi and Father Daniel Weiske from St. Andrew's Church in Brainerd, Minnesota. They'll visit with Jason Adkins, the executive director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, about drawing the lines when it comes to publicly practicing our faith. Then they'll just sort of have a talk of a bantering and sort of talk wherever the spirit leads. And they'll have Dr. Tony, Father, sorry, Father Tony Warbaleski of the Diocese of Duluth reflecting on 25 years of priesthood. So all that and a whole lot more is coming up tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Central, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Back to I, you. Hope, I hope Father Tony Warbaleski didn't hear you say Dr. Tony Warbaleski. I just hope he wasn't listening. <laughs> I corrected myself. So, um, Eli, what do you do for the rest of the day? Do you still work after this? Or do I, have... I, I do. Mm-hmm. Yep, oh. I'll be. So, Oh, okay. Any, any any plans later on this evening? Not particularly. Um, you know, if it doesn't uh, if it doesn't rain too much, maybe I'll cut the lawn. Um, if it does, then maybe I won't. You know, stuff like that. Wow. Okay, <laughs> that's good. How about you, Cindy? Do you have anything going on for the rest of the day? Uh, I gotta go out and do yard work. Well, you and you and Eli should get together. I know. I'm I'm clipping down trees and well, chainsawing the big ones, but. I'm cleaning up my yard. It's it's a mess. This this year it's like over it's crazy. I don't know what happened. It's it's funny I'm sure because it's funny because it. uh, uh, I was at your house not that long ago and you were talking about TPing. Somebody <laughs> TP'd your house not that long ago. Yes, on my birthday. On your birthday. That's it was kinda... like the best gift. Yeah, well, well that's great. That's great. <laughs> don't don't get any ideas. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll note to self. I'll remember that cuz I I like cuz you TP'd my house twice. Yes, yes, and all my toilet paper's gone now. And listeners, I'm sure, are shocked that you toilet papered a rectory. I know. Why are you telling everybody? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, anyhow, we're t- it's we're- fun. It's good to get away from a screen, get out and laugh. Good, and throw toilet paper. And throw toilet paper. All right. Well, uh, again, thank you for listening to Real Presence Live, Duluth edition. God's blessing to everyone that are listening. Stay safe and sound. Next, See you next time, or hear you next time. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. This has been Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live brings you inspirational stories of faith and a look at the good and holy things happening in our local area. Weekday mornings from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in for an encore of each show beginning Saturday morning at 6. Get the podcast any time of day or night at yourcatholicradiostation.com or on the Real Presence Radio app. And remember, you can be a part of the conversation through Facebook and Twitter. Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network.